And I'm still going to be speaking on, on the message I have, passion for the saving of the world, for, but from the Father's perspective. From the Father's, and I'm not talking about us now, from our Heavenly Father's perspective. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for giving words, incorruptible seed that can change lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. How do we honor our Heavenly Father? You know, God gave the very first commandment Apart from the first four of the Ten Commandments, the very first commandment that has to do with mankind, the first, thou shalt have no other God beside me, and all of that, you know, on the Sabbath day. But right after that, when God came to the commandments that has to do with mankind, the very first one is, is honor your father and your mother that your days may be long that it may be well with you, and that your days may be long on the earth. So that honoring your father is so important. I think that there is a key principle there. Because if you can honor your earthly father, you should know instinctively that you ought to honor your heavenly father. There is no honoring of your earthly father if you don't give True honor to your heavenly father. Everything comes from him. So we really need to honor him. So how do you honor God? What do I do to honor God? God is never mad at you if you are a Christian. He loves you. When you're not doing right and doing wrong, you're really wronging yourself. A lot of Christians misunderstand. When you're sinning and doing wrong, you're wronging yourself. Like I've said often here, no one can hurt you like you can hurt yourself. When you're doing those things, you're hurting yourself. And the Heavenly Father is grieved because he wants the best for you and you're, doing, you're blocking him from blessing you. That's where the problem is. And his heart is focused on you. If a man has a hundred sheep and one is lost, he leaves the remaining 99 going after that one. So when you have become a believer and you truly love God in your heart and things happen, you're tempted by Satan and you're walking away from God, God's heart is totally focused on you because he knows his enemy is trying to get you. And he can't do much unless you change your mind and give him room. But we have to honor God. We have to honor God. And if you honor God, he will honor you. God said it clearly. He said to Moses, those who honor me, I'll honor. In other words, if you don't honor me, don't expect honor from God. But when God chooses to honor you, God's honor is usually big and unexpected. It comes in ways that man cannot imagine. You may, it may seem as if you are suffering disgrace today, and God can turn it around the next week, and everything has changed. And you get honor. I mean true honor. From the Lord. But Jesus understood honor towards his father. And he is our example. Let me read this scripture to you. But before I read, give you the background. Jesus was 12. Now you need to understand. 
thank God for Mary and Joseph. Every year after Jesus was born, they were in Jerusalem for the Passover feast. They, came, they went down from the North Galilee all the way down to Jerusalem. Every single year, they made sure Jesus was in church. They brought him down. And it tells us that on his 12th birthday, Jesus was in Jerusalem. At this time, he was already becoming a teenager, getting close to that. And his mind was already focused. And for some reason, his parents left. And then they have a lot of relatives, and, and I'm from that kind of background, where every auntie, everybody takes care of the children. And for some reason, they thought Jesus was with auntie or uh, uncle somewhere, and they left. And for three days, you can imagine what Mary was thinking. God gave me this son a look. I lost God's son, okay? <laughs> You're laughing now, but Mary wasn't laughing. I can guarantee you. For three days, he, she, uh, and both of them. And as I was reading this scripture, you really, this scripture, it really struck me. Because when they found Jesus, he says that his mother said to him, why have you done this? This is the way she puts it. He says, son, why have you done this to me and your father? This is God you're talking to. And now God is a son to a woman and a son to Joseph. Son, why have you done this to us? To me and your father, referring to Joseph. And Jesus' reply was this, which is kind of off. If you read Luke 2, uh, 2 verse 49, he said, he said to them, why did you seek me? Because he said, we sought you all this for three days. We've been looking for you. I mean, we've been hurting these three days. And Jesus' reply was, why did you seek me? Why were you doing that? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? You should have realized. Joseph and Mary, yeah, earthly father and mother, you should have realized the time is drawing very close. I must, I must be about my father's business. I didn't know God has a business on the earth, right? Did you know that? When you engage in a business, for what purpose do you, do, do you get yourself engaged in that? To profit, right? Well, let me let you know this. Jesus knew his father has a business on the earth. And believe me, the father still has a business on this earth. And you and I, if we want to honor our father, we must be about our father's business. We have to be. That's honor to him. God has a business. In fact, I'm going to come as I develop this message. You'll find Jesus actually talked about the father paying wages to those who work for the father's business. He said that there was, I mean, and Paul also came along saying the same thing. It, Paul talks about, I don't want to lose my reward. After I have labored, I've got to have my reward. God pays those 
who work for him. God has a business on the earth. He is spirit and you have flesh. He cannot do the work. He is spirit. So he sent his son. And as soon as Jesus became a man in human form, he knew the father has a business on the earth. And to honor his father, you, Mary and Joseph, your, your suffering is painful. But I'm telling you, if I don't do the father's business, it's more painful than the pain you're expressing to me. Didn't you realize I have to be about my father's business? You're only concerned about your pain? And they were right. That's what I'm trying to communicate. There is God's business on earth that is so urgent that the father convinced his son, even at the age of 12, Jesus was already ready. We have to realize that this is a big, big, big thing that we need to do. People are always talking about making the world a better place. Making the world a better place. How are you going to make the world a better place? And so you give your $100 to this organization, and they, they spend $80 of it to take care of staff. And you think your $20 that's left is going to make the world a better place? Given that a lot of people coming together to do that will help, but I tell you what, the best way to make the world a better place is to be about your father's business. Because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Meaning, if you don't go about your father's business, the world will be in darkness. And Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You may not think that you're light, but that's what Jesus said you are. And he cannot lie. When Jesus calls you the light, you are truly the light. And Jesus made it clear, you don't hide the light under a basket. He should give light to the world. You can't hide in church. We already have light in church. Go out where it's dark. Amen. We are, this is not the place to shine. We already got light here. Out there, that's where it's dark. That's where to be about our father's business, being light to the world. And all we have to do is direct them to the light. The real light. The light that lights every man that comes into the world. And I tell you, once you connect them to the light, they light up. Amen. And they begin to give light to the world. The more light you have, the brighter it will be in the world. If my people, do you remember what God says? He's putting, I mean, the burdens of the world upon his, his children. If my people who are called by my name, Angela spoke about praying, and we love to pray and encourage you to come and pray. You may not think you are accomplishing much. I wish God would open your eyes like God opens Elisha's servants, Gehazi's eyes to see what was happening in the, in the spirit realm. When you were praying like this in church, angels are flying right and left with swords and just dispersing, dispatching all of those forces that are against our city. I really firmly believe, I was talking to a member of our church, I'm going to take over Calvert, whether the devil likes it or not, because he's had that place for a while. Amen. We're going to send out all those principalities and powers. And from the news that I'm hearing, just those times that we went to Calvert and walked around, 
you won't believe what's happening in Calvert now. I may not let Pastor Roy share that with you. A lot is happening in Calvert now. The man that bought the theater, he was talking to me exactly about three, four days ago about what's happening in, in uh, Calvert. He said, pray. God's about breaking everything that's been holding that city down. And setting everyone that's standing in the way aside. Why? Because we walked around. Amen. We got about 35 people. You remember, Brother Dave? 35 people walking around the Calvert. The next week, they arrested. Was it 16 drug dealers? Is that a coincidence? And then they had a mysterious fire. And they said, we can't explain what this fire, how it came and how it went. We're like wind. The wind blows and you hear the sound of it. Amen. But you cannot tell where it's coming from and where it's going. And Jesus said, so it is with those who are born of the Spirit. You are a mystery to the world. Amen. You are a mystery to the world. And if we don't stand and take our place, stop looking at yourself. You already have the gift of righteousness. That was delivered to you when Jesus went on the cross. And all they have to do is to accept the gift. I mean, how difficult is it to accept a gift? If I, give, if I have a Bible, a brother came. Come up here, brother. Love this, brother. I bought this Bible for you. Oh, don't take it now. <laughs> it's my Bible. And I go to Brother Ken and I say, Brother, I was thinking about you the other day. And, and, and I decided to buy you a brand new Bible. The brother is crying already. He's happy. <laughs> this wasn't planned, okay? <laughs> and now I stretch the Bible to him. And he said, it's crazy. After I've told him, I bought it for you. It's yours now. He says, please, brother, can I have the Bible that you bought for me? And he's just crying. He kneels down and he's begging me. I said, hey, is he okay? <laughs> is something wrong with it? Why don't you stretch your hand and take it? Amen. God's giving you through the... Hey, don't go over with my Bible. <laughs> I'm not going to call that brother up here anymore. <laughs> God has given you, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 17, you have received the gift of righteousness. And it came from the Father. Just because you said, I recognize what Jesus done for me. And I want the outcome of that. You don't have to beg. You don't have to beg. He sees you with the gift of righteousness. And the more you acknowledge that gift in you, the more your life is transformed. The more you try to earn it, you go the other way. All you need to do is to appreciate the Father. And you say, God, you know, I'm going to honor you with my life that you have saved. The gift of righteousness, multiplied grace, abundance of grace. Now I have to do work to, to please him. That's what this is all about. And Jesus was so focused on finishing his father's work. I'm going to talk, I want us to turn to John chapter, chapter 4.
And I'm going to stay with this scripture. I hope everyone has a Bible here. If you don't carry your Bible to church anymore, uh, these days I can never tell whether they're carrying their Bible because they have this little stuff in their hand and they're doing this. I couldn't tell whether they're testing or really reading the Bible. I'm not sure. I feel like going there to check what they're wearing out there. It's a different world these days, I'm telling you. Because you can go up and say, what are you doing? And he hits one button, I'm reading my Bible. No kidding. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so let's go to uh, John chapter 4. It says, therefore, beginning from verse 1, we're there. It says, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, that's the, his disciples did the baptism. Now, if you have a question about that, why Jesus wasn't baptizing people in water, it was clear he was, that was not his assignment. John made it very clear. He is the one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So we baptize, he baptizes in water, he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So if you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit, talk to Jesus, then you will know he is real because he will fill you with his Holy Spirit. And when that happens, you speak in tongues, which is a supernatural language. And if you stay with that tongues a whole lot, <laughs> uh, your life gets transformed. And you step out, things will begin to happen supernaturally. Amen? It says, when Jesus knew this, in other words, Jesus was just starting his miracle and didn't want to engage the Pharisees at this particular time because his ministry had just started and they were already talking, so he left Judea and he was going up to Jerusalem. So he left Judea and departed, I mean, to Galilee. Verse 4, it says, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now, that's uh, an unusual statement there. Because Jesus, most Jews that lived in the northern part of the kingdom, Jerusalem was in the south, most Jews going to Galilee from the south, Galilee on the north, Samaria is in between, they would do everything to avoid going through Samaria. No Jew has any need to go through uh, Samaria. They go by River Jordan and go ar around it and go back to Galilee. Because at this time, I think about over 150 years before this time, uh, some Assyrian, Assyrian king came and destroyed the, uh, the, the cities there in Samaria and took the people away and then brought in um, another race from different parts of the world and brought them in there. And so those people mixed and they, were married, they got married to the Jews that were left. So they had a mixed race there. And the Jew considered them to be inferior and kind of contaminated. They didn't want anything to do with them. And so they would do anything to avoid going through Samaria. But Jesus, this is an unusual statement, Jesus needed to go through it. For some reason, it was a need for him from the Father to go through uh, Samaria. He was very deliberate about this. It says... Uh, so he came to a city of Samaria 
which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about six, the sixth hour, but it was about 12 noon. Then you can imagine Jesus had been traveling for about 12 hours. I mean, sorry, six hours. Coming from uh, uh, Jerusalem, going up north. And so it was 12, possibly hot. And so he sat, buried from his journey, he sat on that well. And I can see Jesus knew about the world before he came to the world. He knew Jacob and all of those things. And Jacob buying the well and, you know, buying that land and everything. And giving the por- that portion of that land to his son Joseph. You can find this in, in Genesis when he gave that to Joseph. And so Jesus sat, sat in a very familiar place. And, and God has a way of doing things. The disciples all of a sudden decided, we're going to go into the town. Jesus was hungry, and we're going to get food and get him something to drink and all of that. So they left, and Jesus was left alone in that place. It says in verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no, that's John explaining to us, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So you can imagine what was happening. Jesus was sitting at the well. She there's this woman coming to the well at 12. They usually go to the well first in the morning and in the evening. Well, I don't know why the woman went at 12 noon. But some people believe that she was so bad in the society. They knew her very well. She didn't want to mix with the women. They probably cursed her out in the morning because of the, the way she was living her life. So it was okay for her to go at 12 noon. And the well is usually on the outside of the city. And so she went out and then she saw Jesus and she recognized there was a Jewish person sitting there, a Jew sitting there. So you can imagine she walked up, didn't say hello, didn't say anything to him. She's just busy drawing the water, no greeting, nothing. And she wasn't expecting him to say a word to her. And all of a sudden, I'm sure she was shocked. (laughs) He said to her, give me water to drink. And she immediately, without thinking, said, you're talking to me, a Samaritan woman? You are a Jew. What's going on here? Notice what's happened. Just to reach this one woman, Jesus could care less what anybody thought. Men don't talk to women in the public in the time. Jesus, Jesus was not only talking to a Samaritan, that the Jews didn't like. She was, he was talking to a woman that had some kind of bad reputation. And a woman in a place by themselves, just two of them. That wouldn't look good, right? Uh, for a preacher, that wouldn't look good, right? <laughs> but Jesus could care less. Her soul was more important. Amen? He was about his father's business. So Jesus asked for water, 
And she said, you're talking to me? You are a Jew talking to a Samaritan woman? <laughs> Let me remind you what you're doing. You're talking to a Samaritan. Remember, I am a Samaritan. And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew the gift of God, and the one who is saying to you, give me a drink. You will turn around and say, you give me a living water. Now, I need to stop there. For every one of us sitting here today, there is a gift from God for you. You may not recognize it. God has a gift for you. Jesus is that gift. Jesus is the gift of God to you. And Jesus said to her, if you recognize the gift of God, then you will ask to benefit from that gift of God. You will ask and he'll give you living water. Living water. And the woman replied to Jesus, you, the well is very deep. Jesus was talking about some spiritual water. Now you got to understand, we are trapped at beings. You, you, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Your body needs water. But also, your soul and your spirit, they need water as well. Your body needs food, for sure. But your soul and your spirit, they also need food. That's why God said, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out from the mouth of God. So if you have been feeding just your body, your spirit is really skinny. Quite charcoal, you know. Real skinny hands and makes the tender stomach and that's your spirit working hungry. Because you gave it no water and that thing is about to die. We need to feed our spirits, Amen. She asked for that. She said, she, they argued about that. You, the well is deep. You don't even have a bucket. Where are you going to get this living water that you're going to give to me? To me? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave his, this well to us and he drank from the well? His sons and his children drank from the well and even his cattle, they drank for, from the well. Who are you? And Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks from this water you're talking about is going to thirst again. But if you drink from the water that I'm going to, notice Jesus is not suggesting you may get it. I want to give it to you. Amen. I'm going to give this water from, to you. All you need to do is what? Ask for it. He was begging her to ask for the water. And it was about his father's business. For this lonely woman who had been suffering for years. And the woman said, really? You give me this water? And she said to him, I like this water that you're talking about. Why don't you give me, and again she was in the natural, give me this water to drink so that I don't have to come back here and, and, and draw water again. I don't have to deal with all this 
people cussing me out and all of that. I can just be in my home and I'll get this water coming. Because Jesus has said that water will be a fountain in you, springing up into everlasting life. She says, I want that water. And Jesus said, go call your husband. Oh, he got her good. And she said, I don't have any husband. I need you to notice what happened there. This is so crucial. What Jesus said to her, go and call your husband. And two of you come here. As soon as she said to Jesus, give me, Jesus was already giving to her. And that was the beginning of her receiving the living water. And the first thing is, go call your husband. And she said, I don't have any husband. And only Jesus didn't condemn her. Jesus said, uh, you're right about that. Because you've had five husbands, and you're tired of having husbands. You're not sure of any, this husband have, having husbands anymore, so you got one living with you. In case he doesn't do well, you can just kick him out and don't have, don't have to bother with this. He said, the one that you have now is not your husband. And he, he commended her. He says, when you said that, you spoke the truth. And then all of a sudden, she became spiritual. You know, as a pastor, it's really funny. You might sit in a, in a plane with you, uh, another passenger, and he'll be cursing and all of that, and fussing, and finally he, he asks you, what do you do for a living? And you say, well, I'm a pastor. Okay. <laughs> he goes, oh, Lord. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he becomes spiritual, <laughs> And I'm sure he's saying all this good stuff and he's been thinking, boy, I've been cursing around this preacher all this time. But that's happened. And that's what happened here. She said, our fathers worshipped in this, in this mountain, Mount Gerizim. That's where they worshipped because they didn't want to go to uh, Jerusalem to worship because they were not accepted. So they made that place a place of worship. And Jesus was telling her, you guys, you don't know what you're worshiping. We know what we're worshiping. Salvation is of the Jews. It came from the Jews. But the time is coming, Jesus said, where you no longer worship in this mountain or in Jerusalem. But true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And so Jesus spoke all of those to her. And... Um, after she heard Jesus for a while, she says she knew about the Messiah. She says, I know Messiah is coming. That's an interesting thing because even though she was hurting, her eyes were on the Messiah, the Savior. He's going to come one day and he's going to make everything plain to us. The difference between our people, your people, why we are rejected and all of that. When he comes, he's going to tell us everything. He's going to tell us the truth. And for once, Jesus usually doesn't reveal himself to anybody. He speaks in parables to them. And they're confused. They tell the Jews, said, tell us, are you the Messiah? Jesus said, I told you, but you won't listen. Because he wouldn't tell them directly. They were not listening. But to this woman, because the hunger was there, and Jesus saw that, Jesus immediately said, the Messiah you're talking about now, he's the one speaking to you right here. Thank you, Lord. And she knew it. She had already told him, I perceive you are a prophet. 
I already perceive you are a prophet. And when he told her that, this one thing about being saved. At the same time, they were talking at that particular time. With the way God times his stuff, that's when the disciples came. They showed up. And they saw him talking to this woman. And to them, it's like, what's going on here? But no one was able to say a thing. They wouldn't ask him. They just kept quiet. They knew something was happening. And he said the woman left a water pot and took off. I tell you what. When you drink of Jesus' water, nothing else in this life matters. Nothing matters. I remember when I, was, when I got saved, newly. How many of you remember when you got saved? Everything looked different, right? I went out and the flowers looked different. I said, boy, these flowers are beautiful. Well, they've been there all along. Everybody looked beautiful to me. The world was wonderful. My heart was so, I was so joyful. I loved singing about heaven. And, and, and it was so beautiful. I hated temptation because I, I didn't want to know how to deal with them. I was just a few days old. But she left everything. And she went into the city to testify about Jesus. Let me read this from uh, John chapter 4, beginning from verse 27. It says, at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? What do you want? What do you want from her? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left a water pot, went away into the city and said to the men, who was she talking to? To the men. Who did Jesus ask her to go get? One man, right? Her husband. How many men did she recruit to come to Jesus? Every man in the city. (laughs) When Jesus touches your life, you don't have to be told. You just know instinctively to bring people to him. Nobody told her to evangelize, right? She knew. Because she's been born, she had been born again at that point. She had been touched by the Spirit of God. And so she went out, calling the people. Just, I mean, I'm talking about born again, the way Peter and the others were at that point. She went out into the city and came to, uh, and the people went out of the city and they came to him. Well, verse 29 says, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Notice, she wasn't telling them, I know she's the Christ. She's telling them, you go check him out. That's what we need to do as Christians doing the work of God. We bring them in to Jesus, and Jesus will let them know. You go check him out. That's what Philip did to Nathaniel. Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He says, I'm not going to argue with you. You come and see with your own eyes. After, they met, after he met Jesus, he was convinced. You bring them out to your father. Once they get in here, he will confront them. He'll meet with them. When they leave, they know you said the truth. She didn't bring just one man. She brought all the men of that city to Jesus. That's our job, being off about our father's business. This is the part I'm going to close with quickly. 
It says in verse 33, Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of he who sent me and to finish his work. You know God's will for your life? God has a will for you. And he has a work for you. His business. He wants you to be a part of his work. His business. Jesus said, I'm not going to eat. He had been walking to get to this place the past six hours. No drink. Because the woman left everything and left. I mean, left apart and, and she just took off. I'm not sure if she drew anything or if Jesus took anything, water. But as far as Jesus was concerned, he knew what was happening. He knew what had been deposited into this woman's heart. He knew instinctively because that's the way salvation works. When you are born again, you want to bring others. And so when she left, she didn't tell Jesus, I'm going to get people to you. Jesus already knew. I pray that Jesus will know that I'm out there trying to get somebody to him. And wait for me to bring them to him. I, that's my heart's desire. Jesus knew when she left, she was going to get them. And so he wouldn't eat. He sat there. And when they tried to persuade him to eat, he says, no, I got food to eat that you don't know anything about. He was waiting for this woman to bring them to him. I'd like to meet that woman one day. Transformed in a short time. Horrible reputation. All of a sudden, an important woman. That God has recorded her story. As long as this world remains, this woman's story will be told. This is going to be an important woman in the kingdom of God. Why? Because she went into the city and brought those people to him. And you can read the story. When they came back, when the men came, they said, Jesus did no miracles. They were hanging on a verge. Probably they had never seen her in that form, in that way before, because she was excited. She said, could this be the Christ? This may be the Christ. They talked about the Christ based on their situation. We can worship over there. They don't like us. And, and, and now, perhaps they have the very Christ right in their yard. And the, the men all went. And after they listened to Jesus for a while, they begged him, please don't go. Stay with us. And Jesus broke every mold. He stayed with Samaritans that were hated. With God, no respect of persons. In every nation where people have a heart for them, those people are accepted with him. And he can take anybody and shoot you up anywhere in the world if you give your heart to him just as he's made a beautiful life in the story of this woman till the world ends we'll be reading about this woman presidents will be reading about this woman kings will be reading reading about this woman and when we get to heaven i think we will finally get to see this woman without jesus the man came and they listened to Jesus. They begged him to stay. And then they said to the woman, listen, woman, we believe your story, but we are not believing in him because of what you've said. What you said is okay. We have heard him ourselves. And we are convinced he, this is it. This is the Messiah. 
you know the reward that that woman will get from heaven? Uh, let me read this, and I close. Remember the pastors always say, finally, and then finally again? <laughs> this is it. But this time I will really close. Jesus said in verse 35, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the field, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps, this is where I'm going, he who reaps receives what? Wages. I'm going to be about my father's business. And you get paid for it. You work and you get paid for it. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit. Notice wages here, but the people you get, you are gathering them fruit until eternity. What are they going there to do be for you? Your reward. Because God's going to reward you when you get there. For every human being that you brought to him, that you influence. Some of us are going to shine, like the Bible says in Daniel, stars. Brighter than the stars forever. Forever. You know, God created Satan, Lucifer, to be kind of a star. He lost that. That was a being. Some human beings are going to be as bright as the star if they will do the Father's bidding and be about his fa- the Father's business. Close your eyes with me this morning. Every one of us here. The first step is to make sure you are in tune with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do that this morning. All you have to do, just like with that woman, just ask him into your heart. Ask him into your heart. And guarantee you, if you pray this prayer with me, if you say in your heart, I don't know Jesus, I want to know him. I want to know him better. Maybe you knew him sometime, but you are not as close to him as you used to. But you want to get there. I want you to say this prayer with me. And I'm going to guarantee you, based on what I know and uh, from the scriptures, and based on the fact that I know God called me to do this work, that if you pray this prayer with me and, with me and you mean it from your heart, right after this prayer, your name will be written in the book of life. And when you die, you will be with the Father, no doubt about it. And God will continue from this day to be with you Emmanuel, until the day you depart from this earth. Amen? Pray this prayer with me if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then when you depart from this place, tell somebody, you know, I prayed with that pastor today. Once that statement comes out of your mouth, heaven seals seals it. You now belong to the Heavenly Father. And he's going to take care of you. Pray with me this morning. Say with me. Everybody join me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die for my sins. Lord, I confess my sins to you. I ask for forgiveness. Cleanse me from all my sins. Write my name today in the book of life. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and master of my life. Direct my life in your name. 
I pray. Amen. If you did that today, for the very first time, your name has been written in the book of life. Don't matter whether you're young or old, heaven has recorded it. And when you get to heaven, God will say, you remember that day you gave your life to me. But we are in a journey. Amen. And we're going to get there. Stand up with me this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I mean, can I, let me listen to the Spirit of God, what he's doing. I think there's somebody here today there's going to be an unexpected financial breakthrough coming your way, maybe by way of check, don't know what it is. But there's going to be a financial breakthrough coming to you in the next probably few days. God's going to bring something to you. And he will also remind you that this is what it is. Don't forget. Amen. Let's lift our hands up to the Lord this morning. Father, I bless your people today with your favor as a shield over their lives that wherever they go, they stay blessed. Going out and coming in. I thank you, Lord, because they will always be head and not tail. They'll always be above and never beneath. Every force of darkness that is coming against them, every word that has been spoken against their life, every difficult situation that Satan has created over their lives, I destroyed this morning by the power of the name of Jesus and I set your people free by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. They're free in Jesus' name. I command peace upon their lives in the name of Jesus. I command contentment into their lives in Jesus' name. I command that spiritual heritage that you've delivered to us to be their portion this morning and to be very evident in their lives. Thank you, Father, for blessing your people. I know you have blessed them because goodness and mercy follow them. And we'll continue to follow them all the days of their lives. And they'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. We're dismissed. God bless you.